We started a brand new um, series last Sunday called The Art of Being Unordinary. Let's go ahead and dive into that this Sunday, okay? And we started off this series by saying, you know what? We serve a good and gracious God, right? I believe that God wants to pour his blessings into your life. The problem with This whole topic isn't that we don't serve a good and gracious God. The problem is with us because we don't always live lives that are blessable, right? We don't always do the right things. We don't always follow God's instructions very well so that he has the opportunity to pour more blessings in life. But what we understand is the beauty of God's love, and since we're on Valentine's Day, let's talk about how much God loves us, is that even though we mess up, even though we don't always get it right, it doesn't stop God from wanting to pour out blessings in our life, right? It doesn't stop God from wanting to teach us how to receive more of his glory, more of his presence, more of his blessings. And we find this in a sermon that Jesus gave called the Sermon on the Mount. All the way at the very beginning of the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. If you got time, go and read the sermon. It's amazing. But what Jesus does is he starts off with the Beatitudes. Okay, and what we're doing is we're looking at these Beatitudes. Because starting off this way, Jesus basically says, look, here's the deal. Here are eight ways to receive God's blessings. Okay, here are eight things that you can do. Okay, a way to live life that when you do these things, you open yourself up for more of God's blessings. And what we found last week is that when we read through the Beatitudes, we found out that they're a little unordinary, right? They're they're a little different. They're a little countercultural from what we might expect would receive more blessings or more joy in our life. Like if I were to ask you right now, what are some of the things that uh, you need to do or you need to know in order to experience more joy? You'd probably say, we'd all say the same thing. We'd say, well, more money would be nice. That would give me more joy, a better house would be nice, you know, maybe a different job, or maybe um, Georgia winning a national title. Like, you know, those are the things, right? Or how about Alabama never winning another national title? How about that? We could all, there you go. Okay, we could all agree with that. Right, those are some of the things that we would say. But when we read, when we read this list that Jesus provides, when he talks about experiencing joy, When he talks about God's blessing in our lives, he doesn't talk about things, and he doesn't talk about money, and he doesn't talk about status or power or anything like that. He says the exact opposite. He talks about being poor and merciful and humble and being persecuted even or mourning. And, and, you know, we we look at this list and we're like, this is is really different. And so what we begin to understand is that these are the things that unlock God's blessings. And it helps us realize that we have to be willing to be a little bit unordinary if we want to experience the extraordinary blessings that God wants for us. So last week we started this series and we said, you know what, let's let's look at the very first one. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, we get to the first blessing to the first part of the Beatitudes, and Jesus said, blessed are the poor. When we start off last week, we said, you know, what does that mean, blessed are the poor? That doesn't sound like a very blessed life to be poor. And The more we we looked into that scripture, we realized that what Jesus is getting at is that the poor in spirit, those people who realize 
we are just completely inadequate to live this life without God, right? Like, we need God. I need Jesus every day of my life because I cannot make it through the day, the week, the month, the year, the rest of my life. I cannot make it through without him. So we talked about what it means to depend more on God, what it means to lean into him. Because those are the people, those are the people that God blesses. So that was the first one. That was last week. Today... Today, we're going to look at the second point that Jesus makes in the Beatitudes. And this one, this one is so relevant for where we are right now. Because as we get into this second verse here in the Beatitudes, we got to start off with understanding that life is tough. Right? And I don't need to tell you that. I mean, we all know that life is tough. We know that last year was extremely difficult. And even though, even though, we have made it into a new year. Man, things are just still awkward. Things are still weird. Things are still very difficult, right? It's, it's not easy. It's not easy at all. In fact, for some people, as we continue to go through this journey, it gets even more difficult. And you know, there are a lot of things that we try to point to for our struggles. We try to blame a lot of things for the struggles that we go through. But you know what? The biggest thing that there is, the biggest reason that we have this struggle and pain and grief in life is because of sin. Right? Sin. Sin has just broken the world. You know, ever since sin entered in the picture of garden, uh, in the Garden of Eden, nothing has ever been the same. Right? And the brokenness is still with us. And when we see, we see it in the pandemic that's just, that just doesn't seem to leave or go away. We see it in the political arguments and the racial divides that still overwhelm the news cycle anytime we turn the TV on. Right? And, and those are just the big picture areas of life where sin has broken the world we live in. You know, and those are things, those are big picture that we all have to deal with. But you know what, just for a minute, for this morning, as we get into this next part of the Beatitudes, let's put aside the big things in life and let's just focus on our own personal struggles for a minute because personally we have things that are going on. We have our own sorrow. We have our own suffering. We have our own disappointment. We have our own problems. We have our own pressure. We have our own defeats in life. And it's a lot. Life can be overwhelming. And it is a lot to deal with. And the struggle we have sometimes as we're going through life is how do we rise above it all? Right? How do we experience the joy that Jesus talks about, right? If God is good and if he is great and he's got great things in my life, then how am I supposed to experience his blessing in the middle of all this pain? In the middle of all this struggle, in the middle of all this conflict, how can we be blessed by God through it all? You know, praise Jesus Christ for his saving grace that has broken the sin that just wants to plague our lives and gives us hope. Let's look, now that I've set this verse up, let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, where we're going today. It's a little different on a Valentine's Day thing. We're going to kind of go in a different direction a little bit this morning. 
But Jesus says this, this is the second one. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. In the eight ways that we're going to look at through this season of God's blessing, this one, this one is really confusing. Okay, last week when Jesus talked about being poor, that was confusing. This one is really out there. Honestly, what is Jesus trying to say? That the key to a blessed life is to mourn. The key to be happy is to be sad. It just seems strange. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to talk a little bit about this. What does this mean for us? And again, I want God to bless you. And I believe that God has blessings in store for you in spite, in spite of everything that's going on or in spite of everything that is currently happening in your life. And I don't know what you're going through. And honestly, I hope that you came in and you are having the best Valentine's Day ever and everything is fine and dandy. But from what I know as a pastor and from what I deal with on a daily and weekly basis is that I know that everybody has their struggle. Right? Everybody has something. of the time, I feel like people walk into these doors on Sunday mornings or they click and they join us online and they're just like, preacher, lay it on me because I need a word from God. Like, I need something. Because we know what it's like to have chaos and conflict or to get a bad report or to need the money and the money's not there or, or to lose someone that's close to us. We've had those moments where we experience tremendous grief, and some of us are experiencing that right now. So how, how do we get through what we're going through? And you know what? It's a little bit different because what the world tends to tell us a lot of the times is that when we're grieving, when we're mourning, when we're struggling, when we're overwhelmed, a lot of times what the world says is just get over it. Come on, you're no different than anybody else. Just pull yourself up. Just trust in yourself. Believe in yourself. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps and get back to work and just get over it already. Move on. The problem is, is that those things that we go through in life, it's, sometimes they're just too hard just to get over. Like if you've been married for any amount of time, and you're going through a divorce, you don't necessarily just get over it. You go through that separation. you got to move through it. If you have someone that you love that you just lost, somebody in your life dies, you don't necessarily just get over it. You go through that grief. So with that in mind this morning, How do I go through a broken heart? How do I go through a struggle or an overwhelming situation and not get stuck? Because right now I feel like I'm just churning my wheels. Can God still bless me in the middle of everything that's going on? And the answer is yes. Yes. This is what this verse is all about. When you mourn, and there will be times that you, we all mourn in life. When you go through those moments, here's the good news, and here's where we're going today, is that God promises to move through that grief, through that struggle with us. So let's talk about that this morning. You know, this is Valentine's Day, and It's supposed to be happy, and we're supposed to have 
joy and love and everything. But honestly, some of us, we're just struggling right now. And we need, we need some help. And we might feel overwhelmed and we might need, and we all, I think we can all put ourselves in this, where we need the presence of God to help us through whatever we're going through. So let's talk about that. How does God bless those who are brokenhearted? Number one, this is in your message notes, so if you're online, go ahead and open up the message notes and you can follow along with us there. Everybody in here, message notes on your app, go ahead and open those up. Let's fill in some blanks, okay? How does God bless the brokenhearted when we're going through that pain and struggle? Number one, God pulls us close. Okay, I want you to know that God pulls us close. That's the first way that God blesses us, that God pours himself into our lives when we are in a tough situation. You know, I'm already, uh, I'm pretty tired of the cold weather. How many of y'all are tired of the cold and the rain? Yes, me too. I'm, I'm already over it. I'm ready for the spring. It reminds me, though, when we go through these cold snaps for a long time and there's this, all this talk of ice and winter mix and everything. I remember our first um, winter up in Kentucky when we were in our mid-20s. We moved up there, and the first winter we were up there, and I know I've, I've shared this story before, but it was the worst winter they had seen in 30 years. It was awful. It was a lot of snow and ice just out of the ordinary. And we were two Southerners stuck up, you know, mid part of the night, just trying to deal with it and trying to understand. In fact, I, I do remember this, and I think I've told this story before, but um, I remember it snowed so bad one time that we were brand new with it. And so we walked out of the car, and Shannon got all the snow off the windows. We got into the car, and she looked out. She could not see out the back window because she forgot to get the snow off the back. So instead of getting back out of the car and wiping the snow off the back, we had this great idea of putting the sunroof back. She was like, we'll just put the sunroof back. You look out and tell me. We're only got to go like five feet. There's nothing back. Just tell me if I'm going to hit anything. So as soon as you hit that button, you know what you can't do? You can't stop a sunroof from going all the way back. We forgot about the six inches of snow that were on top of the car that just went whoosh. We were buried in an avalanche of our own making in the car. But two southerners, right, trying to deal with all this snow and everything. And, you know, we were... Gosh, we were so far away from everybody in Georgia. You know, our family and friends. You know, those that were closest to us that we loved. And you know, these two young people up north trying to deal with the cold weather. But you know what? Even more important than that, trying to survive with no money, trying to put themselves through school, trying to survive with two little kids with no family around to help. It was a lot that, you know, we felt like we were a million miles away from those that loved us the most. And the only reason I bring that up is because sometimes that's what it feels like with God, doesn't it? Like when we're going through something, when we're grieving and we're hurting, we think that he is so far away because I just don't feel him. Let me tell you, friends, he's not a million miles away. He's never actually been any closer than he is right now in that moment. In those moments where we feel like God is pulling away from us, what you're feeling and what's reality sometimes aren't the same thing. The Bible says that he draws close to the brokenhearted. Believe me when I say that he is paying attention to you. He's not distant and you're not alone. 
No matter what you're going through, no matter what hap- what's happening in life, Hebrews 13, 5, here's another great verse that you need to know. God says, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. That means in your worst pain, even in your most embarrassing moments, even in your biggest failures, even those moments in life that just leave you ashamed, what he does in those moments that we struggle with in life is that he comes close and he just draws us in. And we are blessed when we remember that. Point number two goes along with the first point. Point number two is that God grieves with us. God is close to us, but also God grieves with us. Okay? That means that he weeps with us. When he sees the sin on the earth, when he sees how broken this world is, when he sees the devastation, when he sees what we do to each other and how we act with one another and then how we actually run away from him, the problems that break our heart, it breaks the heart of God. He feels it with us. Look at this verse from Isaiah. It says, no, 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 go back real quick. It says right here, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering. This is talking about Jesus here in the Old Testament. He said he would be a man of suffering and familiar with pain. If you could circle a word on your message notes, I'd have you circle that word and draw some underlines and draw some exclamation points next to that word familiar. What this means is that when Jesus is looking at your situation and you're trying to draw close to him, he doesn't look at you and say, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, how did you even get into this mess? He's like, I don't know, why are you asking me? I don't know how to deal with this. No, what this says is that he knows exactly what we're going through. He knows what it's like to be despised, to be rejected to be let down, to have to suffer through life. He knows it all because he's been through it all. In fact, one of my favorite stories is the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11. Jesus comes into a moment of extreme suffering with a family where Lazarus has passed away. And when he sees Mary, and when he sees Martha, and when he sees that family, it breaks his heart. Heart, and we read John eleven thirty five. It says these two words. It just says Jesus wept. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. You know, when I was little, and my Sunday school teacher used to ask us all to memorize a verse and come back next week and tell the class this was my verse. <laughs> Jesus wept. John eleven thirty five. Done. Got it. <laughs> Shortest verse in the Bible but one of the most profound verses that you'll find. And the reason is, is because it shows that we have a God that empathizes with us, right? Who understands exactly what we deal with. He knows what we're going through. He is a personal God that comes close to us, so close that he wraps his arms around us and he cries with us. So the first part of this of how God blesses those who are struggling is that God draws close to us, right? So God says, I'm going to be with you in this moment. And then the second part of this, it says that God says, I'm going to feel it. I'm going to feel it with you also. We're blessed when we remember that Jesus knows exactly 
And his heart is breaking with ours. The third thing you got to know when it comes to being blessed in those difficult moments is that God will teach us. That God teaches us in the middle of everything that's going on. And that's a little unordinary to say, and that's a little different, right? We don't like to think of that. But the truth is, is that God can use pain, He can use whatever it is to really grab our attention. Have you ever noticed? of how something bad happens in life really grabs your attention. How many times have you ever said in life, you know what, I'll never do that again. Our past, last trip that we took, um, we had just arrived at the location that we were staying at, and the Macoraths tend to travel really heavy. We take way too many clothes. How many of y'all pack too much when you go on trips? You're never going to use all those clothes. You pack them anyway, Yes. We do too. I told you this before, but we always play the 50-pound game, you know, when we go to the airport, see whose bag's over 50. And the loser, if your bag's over 50, well, then you're embarrassed because we got to go through all your stuff and distribute it to all the other bags, right? So the bags are heavy. And I'm standing outside, and we got the rental car, and I am picking these bags up that are heavy, and I'm literally chunking them into the back. And on one of those bags, I picked them up, and I wrapped my hand around the wheel, and I didn't realize what I was doing, but I'd put my finger inside the wheel so that when I let it go, the bag tried to take my finger with it. And it about severed the tip. And y'all, that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to faint just thinking about it up here on stage. So, um, so picture this. We just arrived. Half the bags are in the car. The car is running. I'm sitting on the curb holding my finger, applying pressure. There is blood dripping on the ground. And Shannon is waving me going, you stay with me. Don't you faint on me. Don't you go anywhere. And then my oldest daughter, y'all, the one, Savannah, that, you know, you figure one day they're going to be taking care of you, right? My oldest, the one that you see online that is so great every Sunday morning, she looks at me in that situation and she goes, I can't take this. (laughs) And walks away. Um, I am not that easy to deal with. I get a little dramatic. (laughs) Especially in those moments dealing with blood. I cannot handle it. But I will tell you this, that I did learn my lesson. And I'll never, in fact, I learned my lesson a little too much. By the end of the trip, all the bags are sitting by the rental car to to come back. And I just walked around them. I was like, y'all better lift with your legs because those are heavy right there. I was like, I'm not touching them. I'm not touching them. You know, sometimes, though, that's what happens, though, right? Pain grabs our attention. I mean, everybody in here can give an example of something that happened in life, a painful moment, something that you were just like, oof. I'll never forget that. I don't have this in your notes, but C.S. Lewis wrote, God whispers to us in our pleasure, but he shouts in our pain. Pain can be God's megaphone sometimes. You know, we don't always change when we see the light flashing, but man, we change when we feel the heat. You know what I've learned in life is that you can't control the pain that you go through. Sometimes you can't control how much it is or how little it is. Sometimes those painful moments or those struggles or the the, the grief that we feel, sometimes they're very short-lived and they're here today and gone tomorrow. Then other times they last a long time. They'll last years or maybe even a decade. But the point that I'm trying to make is that even though you cannot control the difficult moments that you face in life, you can decide whether it's going to make you bitter or it's going to make you better. You can decide if this moment is going to be a stumbling block or is it going to be a stepping stone. 
And if you allow them, what God promises and the way that he blesses in those moments where it seems like there is no blessing happening is that God can use it. So maybe I should look for God in the middle of those moments. Just say, God, what are you trying to teach me here? Like, I know that you didn't cause this. I know that this probably wasn't part of your plan. This is part of just living in a sinful world. Or this is my mistake because I'm sinful and I just messed up. But I do know that you could teach me in the middle of this pain. So how can you make me more like your son, Jesus? Because it's in those moments, that's when we grow the most. So God can use it. And that's a blessing to remember. The fourth thing is that God gives us eternal hope. How does God bless us in our broken hearts whenever we're going through? We got to remember eternity. We got to remember that we weren't made for just this world, right? We've got forever coming ahead of us in that perfect place. You know, where's that perfect place for you? Just think about it for just a minute. Where's that perfect place that you love to go to? I brought one of my pictures of one of my perfect places that we went to. This was, this was an awesome trip that we took a little while back. And the, the most beautiful thing about this picture to me, it's, it's not the shoreline, although that's beautiful. It's not, it's not the rock formation that was made of lava from centuries of years ago, you know, that, that, even though that's beautiful. It's not the weather, because the weather is beautiful. No, the most beautiful part of this is that there's nobody on the beach and we're all alone. Is there anything better than finding a secluded spot on the beach? Am I right? Oh, it's so great, right? I was just in this moment thinking, you know what? I could just stay here forever. I could just stay here for a long time. Where's that spot for you? Like, where's that moment that you just think, ah, you know, I could just stay here forever. But you can't. You got to come back. And you got to go through the daily grind. But even though we go through the daily grind, in the back of our mind, we're thinking to ourselves, you know what, one day I'm going to get to go there again. One day, even if it's just for a moment, I'll get to go back. And I'll get to see it. I'll get to experience it again. You see, our hope as Christians is that one day, no matter what we're going through right now, we're going to inherit that perfect place. And it's not just for a moment. And it's not just for a fading period of time, but it's going to be forever. And it's going to be in the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's going to be a place that we'll never have to leave. Listen, if there is no hope of eternity, I don't know how you get through the things you're going through in life, right? I would be terribly disappointed if it weren't for the hope that comes through Jesus Christ. I'm so glad for us that there is something that we can look forward to. In fact, there was this church, this church in Thessalonica that was struggling. And they were going through this hard time. They were going through some struggles. They were going through some persecution and people were dying. And they had no idea what was going on. And they were like, I thought you said Jesus was coming again. Where is he? We've got all this grief that we're going through. What is happening? We need hope. So Paul writes to them and he says this to them. He says, brothers and sisters in this church in Thessalonica, we want you to know about the Christians who have died, those that have died in your church, so that you will not be sad as others, non-Christians, who have no hope. You don't have to be sad. Your pain doesn't have to last because what we have is we have hope. 
You know, there are two kinds of grief that we face in life. There's, there's grieving with hope and there's grieving without hope. Now, I'll tell you what. The real painful tests in life come with how we handle death. Because the Bible says that we as Christians, that we grieve with hope. This past week, we had one of our church members lost a close family member. And when I was talking to her, we were just talking about grief. When we grieve in death, you know, what we're really grieving in those moments is the life that we have to live without them, right? That we're going to have to spend the rest of our life here on this earth without their presence. But we don't grieve for those who die. Why? Because they're going to heaven, right? They have that promise of eternity. They're going to that perfect place. And even though we grieve right now, we grieve different than the rest of the world because we grieve with hope, realizing that one day because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that I too am going to be resurrected and we are going to all be reunited together. And that brings me hope. In the middle of the mourning that I have, in the middle of the grief that I experience, even in the matter of those struggles that I face every day, realizing that this world is not all there is. That I cannot place my hope in the things of this world. My hope, because it fails me over and over again, my hope. My hope comes from a God that draws me close and that feels that pain with me that brings me comfort and teaches me in the middle of everything that's going on and then promises me, promises me that this world, even as broken as it is, will not last forever, that I have an eternity waiting for me in the presence of God that cannot be taken away from me and that I'll never have to leave. And that, when I remember that, it brings me blessings in that moment. And then one last thing, one last thing I want to share with you is that God will use those moments, those painful moments in life. If you allow them, he'll use it to help other people, to help others. The huge part of God's blessings, and and I hope you realize this. I hope you understand this, okay? You see, I, I don't believe that God wants to waste anything in life. I believe that God can use your pain if we allow them to help other people. The problem is we don't always want them to. The problem is we don't like talking about it. The problem is we want to lock it away and we want to try to hide it from everybody. We don't want anybody to know. But God, what he wants to do is one of the ways he blesses us is to be a blessing to other people. Look at this next verse. It says that he comforts us in all of our troubles. Why? What's one of the main reasons he comforts us in our troubles? So that we can comfort others. That's a big part of God's comfort in us is then he expects us to use that for other people. When they are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Here's the truth. Your greatest ministry can come from your deepest pain. And the reason is, is because you have the ability to say those powerful words that bring healing and comfort. I know exactly what you're going through. Sometimes people can just feel like nobody understands. And that's not true. 
Because we have the ability to stand up and say, you know what? Not only have I been there, done that, I got the t-shirt, right? Like, I have gone through it all. I was thinking about this um, two weekends ago when we took our marriage retreat. And I asked a couple of our married couples to give their testimonies. And we had three of them. And I'm always amazed at the courage that it takes to stand up in front of people and share their experiences with others. And through those testimonies, we heard about losing jobs and infertility and marriage struggles and counseling and major surgeries and miscarriages. And it was so powerful to hear how God brought each couple through those experiences, how their faith was tested and how they grew through those moments, how God pulled them close, grieved with them, taught them through the middle of that. And then I am witnessing them living into this verse right there as they are sharing with the other people, everyone around them. And how they were teaching other people. You see, the reason I asked them to share is because I wanted people in that room to know that they're not alone in their struggles. You know, every couple, every family, every child, every boss, every employee, every student, everyone has something that they're going through. And while they're in the middle of it, they're thinking to themselves, I'm the only one. Nobody can understand. Nobody knows what I'm going through. And that's just not the case. God wants to use us in those moments of struggling in our life to help other people. Because it's in those moments of suffering that we receive the credibility that we need to be able to speak words of wisdom into the life of other people, right? You know what I always get is a lot of people that say, you know what, I'm just not ready to, you know, I'm just not ready or I don't think that anybody wants to hear. You know what, sometimes we're waiting for that perfect moment like until we're fully healed, right? Or until we're perfect in that situation before we're able to share about it. And let me tell you, friends, if you're waiting until you're fully healed or perfect, you're, that's not gonna happen until we're standing in the presence of Jesus Christ one day, right? So in reality, while you're waiting to be perfected, or to be completely healed, somebody could be waiting for you, for your help. So you know what? Let me close all this out. Everybody has something. And maybe you're experiencing a struggle right now. Maybe you're experiencing pain. Maybe you're experiencing some type of confusion. Maybe you're even in mourning. You know, if you came into Brookstone or you clicked online this morning and you're going through a tough moment, it's, it's Valentine's Day, like I said before, but instead of feeling, you know, just having a lot of joy or a lot of love right now, you're experiencing some brokenness because of something that you're working through. Please remember that God blesses the broken and those who are struggling. And if we look for him, in those moments, what he wants to do is he wants to draw close to us, to cry with us, to teach us, to grow us in the middle of that, and even use that moment to bring him glory. And if you remember those things, and if you allow them, and if you look for them, even in the difficult times, you can be blessed, and you can experience the joy of his peace. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for seeing us. 
even though sometimes, like we talked about already, you feel, we feel sometimes that you're distant, and sometimes we might feel like you don't really care what we're going through. God, deep down, help us to understand that's not true. God, that you know what breaks our heart, that you know what keeps us up at night. Not only do you know it, but you understand it because you lived here on this earth, that your heart breaks with ours. God, we realize that your word says that you will bless those who mourn, that you provide for those who grieve. So today, God, we come before you with open hearts, asking for your healing. God, there could be some in here today or watching online that are going through a physical pain, they're going through a struggle, they're sick, they, they may even need medical attention. God, I just pray that you would bring healing into their life, that you would draw them close. God, there could be some here today that are going through broken relationships that have resulted in broken hearts. God, I just pray that you would bring reconciliation. God, that you would bring healing and forgiveness. God, there are those that might be facing a moment of difficulty and they just want to give up. God, help us. Draw us close to you and help us understand that we have hope. We have an eternal hope. God, give us the courage. Give those that need it the courage to move forward through this, realizing that you are with them every step of the way. And God, since we speak of hope, I realize that there are some that are watching or they're in here this morning that have no hope because they don't know you and they don't have you. So Jesus, I just pray that you would touch their heart this morning. That they would feel your presence. God, and that they would invite you into their life. If that's you this morning and you're watching online or you're here, and you don't know of that hope because you've never asked Jesus into your life, then do that with me right now. Just say, God, I don't understand it all, but I do know that you love me. God, come into my life and heal my broken heart. Jesus, I praise you for anyone and everyone who said that prayer this morning. And God, I just pray that you would redeem our pain and give us purpose. God, whatever we may be struggling with right now, God, that you would use it in a way to bring glory to your name. God, help us learn in the middle of this. Maybe even help us use what this is as an experience to help other people. God, our life, we give it to you. It's in your hands. And Jesus, one more thing. We just praise you for eternity. God, we thank you for your love and your salvation that comes through Jesus. And we thank you, God, that we don't have to wait till eternity to receive the blessings that you have for us, but God, that you pour them on us now. And God, that you even give them in our painful moments. So Jesus, we give our life to you. We look for you right here, right now. We pray all these things in your name.